What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri, and welcome to the Rise Potential Podcast. In today's episode, we have a personal finance YouTuber, someone who's killing it in the stock market right now. And honestly, I just can't wait to get into this conversation. So get ready for episode 12 of the Rise Potential Podcast with Greg McCall. Hey, what's going on, Greg? Doing all right. How are you? I'm living the dream over here. Um, it's, it's the fourth when we're recording this because for some reason, uh, when I scheduled it, I, I forgot the concept of uh, holidays. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I guess it is what it is. I mean, I'm not really going to be doing anything for the next couple hours, you know, it's not like yeah. people are, are really having yeah. plans with me at 630 in the morning. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't uh, interrupt your 4th of July plans. Yeah. The, uh, um, the fireworks kept me up last night, but <laughs> yeah, I always think it's hilarious when people have like big third bashes. I had, um, a lot of experience when I was a kid with. The 3rd of July in Chicago is pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. There was like this huge fireworks display that was that would go on. I think it had been there for like 50 something years. They ended up canceling it in like, I don't know, 2012. But like it was actually just the best spectacle I'd ever seen. I, I'd say there's been no fireworks that have even come close to it. I was like spoiled from it. And then the <laughs> city like, you know, it's broke now. So there's not enough money for wow. all this fireworks. So feels bad. Mm feels bad man. feels bad man so greg please tell the audience a little bit about yourself about your life um where you're from and all that kind of stuff yeah um so i am stock market investor slash trader whatever you want to call it um i have most of my money in long-term investments probably about half of it and then the rest of it i use with options trading so uh that's more of a swing trading with different options plays and I use this on, you know, big companies that are, you know, trustworthy. They're seeing the trend up and I'm from Texas, uh, originally currently living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, it's been a little bit cold during the winters for way too long, but you know, it's been a nice change of pace for me. Um, I was living when I was living in Texas, I had a car and I got rid of my car. So now I'm saving a bunch of money. Uh, I was paying $600 a month for that car. So now, yeah, well, it's $400 a month for the car itself or no insurance and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Insurance and everything. So it's nice to not have to rely on the car now for sure. Yeah, dude, that does really, uh, really rack up expenses. We'll get into that in a bit, but, um, you know, this thought popped into my head when you started talking, um, as someone who's a stock market investor and a personal finance YouTuber, I'm curious whether you get the same amount of Forex scammers uh, spamming you in your DMs as as everyone else does. Because I wonder if they, they realize like you're just going to say no because they do it to everyone who's like almost in this space. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've had any Forex scammers. I've had, you know, those people that come on and they comment something and they're like, oh, I know this one trader by the name of blah, blah, blah. He's the best trader there is. And then there's like 10 other people that comment like, oh, yes. He's oh, he's so the great. <laughs> That's always the funniest thing to me. I've had that happen only a couple times now. But every time it has, it's just been hilarious. I mean, I, I don't really know how I'd react to that. Personally, I'd be like, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd delete the comments personally. I'm at the point where I'm like, man, the more comments, the, I don't want to say merrier because, all right, the more non-meaningful comments, 
the less merrier because I'm just like, all right, I don't really. Yeah. I don't, I'm not yeah, trying I to. Agree with that. I'm not trying to get your your engagement of of something that's not genuine at all. So I, I but I haven't never I've never gotten that issue. I'm def I've definitely had the forex scammers come in my DMs. Um, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know uh -huh. who Coffeezilla is. Do you know who that guy is? Yeah. On YouTube, yeah. He, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. He's blown up recently, and he had that video on the forex scammers. And because of that, I'm thinking about making one just to like. I kind of want to catfish them and pretend on a different account, like the same people that DM me, right? I want to go into a different yeah. account and pretend that like I'm interested. And I don't know. He did one on it, and it was it was priceless because these people are these people are hilarious. I know you're you're doing a lot of long term investments, which is really good, and I'm glad you're doing that mm -hmm. because, um, well, this whole like day trading thing that's like try they're trying to make trendy is is uh I don't know what the word for it is, but it's it's not a good thing. It's it's almost as bad as this like <laughs> you know the course um YouTube uh and Shopify course and all that kind of stuff issue that was going on and still is going on. Uh, it's it's basically just the next big um scammy thing, I guess. Yeah, I can see how most people think of day trading as a scam. Like it doesn't work out for most people. And you have people like um Ricky Gutierrez as an example, who I used to follow and I really believe that I could be as successful as him. But unfortunately, you know, he's been doing it for years. And um, it's really, have you ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Uh, I have. Uh, don't understand it completely, so elaborate for the audience. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is when you think you're really good at something when you first start out. Mm. And then you realize, no, I'm not good. This ain't it. <laughs> like you have... I mean, I'm not it. <laughs> yeah. So you realize that after like a couple losses, you're like, oh, well, I guess I just got lucky with my first few trades. And so I kind of fell into that. And for my first year of trading, I really didn't do well at all. Yeah, it, it it's it's one of those things where I know they say 97% of day traders make less than the S&P 500 or something stupid. The numbers ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think it's over 90% of traders don't make money and then they end up quitting. Jeez, man. So I know you, you, I found Ricky Gutierrez as well. Don't get me wrong. Like there's that video that went viral um, of him versus the Uber driver. Um, you remember that? I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, no. So it, I actually didn't know who it was Ricky Gutierrez at the time, but there's a video of comparing a day in the life of him and how much he was making. Oh yeah. And a day, yeah, in, yeah, and a day in the life of an Uber driver and, or Uber Eats, I don't remember, but you know, I was like, oh, so this is Ricky Gutierrez. And then I just, I just had this, you know, when you look at somebody, I, I well, a video and you just, you have this skeptical look on your face, like, because eh. as time goes yeah. on, you know, you got the Ty Lopez of the world. He's, I don't know, he's all right, I guess. <laughs> but like, you know, you got those people and you just look at him and you go. Knowledge. Knowledge. Lamborghini. I'm like, uh, when I saw the Ricky Gutierrez thing and he's like, I want to help people. I'm like, well, if you sell courses now. Not everyone that sells a course is bad. All right, I know I've I've had people who have, who sell cheap courses. Actually, Keaton Walker, who's the first guest I had in the podcast, he's doing really well on YouTube. I'm going to have him on the podcast again at some point. Uh, he's got like a really cheap course that actually has value in it. But like there's people selling these, you know, $600 courses, $500 courses. And yeah. you can find the same stuff in YouTube videos. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, so Ricky, you're selling a course, even though you're making all this money off of day trading, huh? <laughs> shouldn't you be spending more time day trading if it's so lucrative? Huh? 
I was like, I don't and know. And he calls himself he calls himself a conservative trader, which is kind of weird in my mind. Like he trades with like fifty thousand dollars, like to make, you know, a thousand or something. Like he tries to make like two percent profit off of fifty thousand dollars in that's a day. Not I'm conservative like, of all. He messes not... up. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could be conservative throwing $50,000 into a blackjack roulette or whatever. That's know. what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that, like, whenever I bet $1,000, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, people people over here nervous to put their money in index funds. Ricky Gutierrez dropping 50K. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, I do want to ask, I guess, to start off a little bit about you know, you, you got into content creation um, about the same time as me. So we, we both started about when um, the beer thing, uh, we don't say the word here, yeah. uh, started. And I'm just curious, you know, or I think people want to hear, you know, how'd you guys, how you got started? You're doing really well. Your channel's at, um, what is it like 530, 540? So 550 last time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, by the time this comes out in like, I guess a week and a half, it'll probably be around 600 plus, And I just, hopefully, yeah, I like it. Right, things are going. Ran to the YouTube guys. <laughs> yeah, that's been that's just crazy, isn't it? You know, like some videos, like you had the one that was really well uh, optimized for SEO, and um, it got like a couple thousand or no, was that it was at one point one k the last time I checked, so I don't know what it's at now. Um, yeah, thirteen hundred right nice, now. Nice, exactly. So that's just you do I things keep track like of that. My stats. Oh yeah, he's got it off the top <laughs> of his head. Do you have a lot of um besides like the ones that blow up? Are you getting a lot of number ones in a row? If if that makes sense, uh. I was mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, I actually haven't seen any number ones until this last video with okay. the one that I got 1,300 views. And it was kind of depressing to see. You know, my my channel comes in waves. So there's a lot of videos where I'll get maybe two, 300 views if I'm lucky. And then there's just one that's just going to take off. Mm. Um, so I've had three very popular videos that have gotten over a thousand views that was um a weed stock and then i had uso and then this one my latest yeah that's it's nice when you when you do things like that for the search it's it's i guess it kind of makes it hard to get a number one regarding like just your audience's existence because personally i haven't had anything be crazy suggested i had a notion video from a couple weeks ago that's not like 700 now um because 10 percent of it's seo um and yeah. that's that's pretty you know it's it's solid it's on the it's like seventh or eighth on if you just type in notion on youtube um which i was happy with because i didn't do it on purpose and um <laughs> Even though I probably should have in retrospect, uh, Greg told me about SEO on YouTube and I've heard of it. And then someone else will have in the podcast soon. Sam Cruz told me about it. And I'm trying to do yeah. that now. Like the, the thousand subscriber video, I changed the title. And I think if you look up reaching 1000 subscribers on YouTube, it ranks like in the first couple search results, which was good. I don't know if people, I yeah. mean, apparently people search that. I don't know. Two, two buddy might lie to me. Who knows? But yeah. yeah. I use TubeBuddy and I also use um, VidIQ. You use both? Okay. Those are the two. Yeah. Yeah, I think VidIQ is really good whenever you're doing the details, I guess. No, VidIQ is good for whenever you're actually searching for what you want to rank for. And then I use TubeBuddy for my tags mostly. Huh. Because I... um... 
I know TubeBuddy's got this this thing where you can only see so many keyword search results um, in a day. Yeah. That's kind of frustrating. Yeah, that's what I was really frustrating. That's why I use vidIQ because it's unlimited. You can oh, search wow. as many times as you want. I guess I'll have to get that then. It's all about yeah, figuring out how, right. how to make it happen. But yeah, the the thousand subs video is doing well. Every every video though, besides or actually not even besides, uh, maybe besides one vlog for the past three or four weeks has been number one in a row. Besides podcasts, podcasts are an exception. The Vince Liu one did really yeah. well, but like. I'm just, I just keep looking. I'm like, that means I'm getting more audience, which is good. But I know for you, obviously you have that different, uh, I'm not, I haven't had anything blow up per se, or even mildly blow up. So I know for you, you've been doing really well though, since you started three months, 500 plus subs is really good. I do want to hear what made you start and what, um, people you watch to get you into it. Yeah, so I first started YouTube uh, back in March, like you said, and I really got into it because I wanted to share my own experience in the stock market. I've been trading for three years now, so I have a pretty good amount of experience. Um, not a new trader, not like Warren Buffett or anything, but you know, I have some knowledge, so I wanted to kind of share that with people. And um, when I first started out, I was making videos about like how I would trade during the day. So I had my full day of trading videos, which really didn't do well at all. <laughs> it oh, was okay. like 15 minutes of me like analyzing the stock market, how it's moving and stuff. Um, so I kind of switched that up to talk more about specific stocks. And then I started incorporating my Sunday stock talk video mm -hmm. um, where I give what stocks I'm watching for the week. And those seem to be pretty popular. Um, my last one did really well. and they usually get between like three and 500 views. So I started incorporating that more. And what really got me into the stock market was a guy by the name of the trading fraternity. Mm. So this guy, I don't know how he does it, but he live streams all day long during market hour from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then on top of that, he puts out a 15 to 20 minute video every single day. I'm like, I, I don't know how you do that. Jesus, man. Nine to four. Okay. I, I guess he works a nine to five. Maybe he, that extra hour he uses to make the video. Maybe he uses the weekends a bit. I don't know, but that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks the entire time. I'm like, what? I don't know how you <laughs> pretty much. I mean, he goes to the bathroom and stuff, but like, for the most part, he talks the entire time. I'm like, how do you, how are you so fluent in your speaking? So I, I'm not fluent at all. Whenever I'm talking on my videos, you can see like all the jump cuts that I use. Um, so I was really inspired by him to kind of just put out as much content out as I could. So I started out posting one video a day mm -hmm. and then it just got really overwhelming because I'm also, I was also doing school at the time. Uh, you know, I would work eight to 10 hours on each video. And then I would have to do my schoolwork at 5 a.m. whenever I was waking up. Mm. So it was just really kind of this hustle grind that I couldn't keep up with. So I kind of pulled back a little bit. Now I'm posting between three to four times per week. Um, I'm trying to put out better content now. So 
I'm trying to put out more quality over quantity. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something that is hard to find a balance of, you know. Um, for me, when I started out, I think it was like two videos a week, and then I added the podcast. And I wasn't doing vlogs either. Um, that just kind of, I don't know, like seven, eight weeks into starting the channel, I was like, vlogging would be fun. I feel like I could have a good spin on vlogging. I used to vlog on an old channel. Um, too many vlogs to count, honestly. It was actually kind of, man, those old vlogs are cringy. I went and watched old videos of myself from like 2014, <laughs> 2015, 2016. Good God, one the acne was even worse back then that's the high school acne never nobody ever likes looking at that and <laughs> worse than that i mean i was just i was just i don't want to say i was politically incorrect i don't know if that's the right word to use there i guess i was um i was i didn't have as much of a filter let's just put it that way um <laughs> yeah yeah so i but i i, I want to touch on the fact that that guy makes a video all the time um that's ridiculous, one. Two, you doing three to four videos a week is probably the right amount. I always tell people when they're like, quantity over quality. If you're posting less than once a week, you don't have any... I don't feel like you're warranted in saying like, oh, I wish the YouTube algorithm would pick me up more. Like, all right, man, you got you to gotta post more. That's one. Two, if you're posting yeah. once a week, you got to make that thing like Matt Diavella, high product or not yeah. product, high quality, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people do that. And I think that's that's a good route to go. But you got to be very filmmaking about it. Um I'm not like their filmmaker wise, so I'm just going to make three a week because whatever. I like podcasting too. And I think you doing three to four is probably yeah. the right amount because I know um, I'm sure you've seen Vince's videos, Vince Lou's videos. Um, he mm -hmm. he does it every day. And I don't know. We text a lot. I actually brought that up in one of his videos. But yeah, I, I actually I think we do like text every day about YouTube. It's fun. Uh, but making it every single day, he's like, man. There's sometimes you'll just text me and be like, man, today it almost didn't happen. This was not it. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's got to be hard. Yeah, for sure. I've started uh, planning out my videos more so um, similar, kind of inspired by you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I've been planning out my videos instead of like posting, you know, right after I'm done, I'll try to schedule it for what we say is the best time, what mm -hmm. YouTube says is the best time. Actually, that didn't really work out for uh, my last, my second to last video. For some reason, it didn't do well at all. Hmm. But for some reason on Tuesdays, I just don't do well. <laughs> I think it's actually reason. like the second, I thought it was like the second worst day to upload. I think Thursday is the worst. Really? Yeah. I'm from huh. a digital marketing background for where I do a lot of my uh, school research and stuff. And um, the reason I post on the days I do is twofold one it's separated enough to where you know if another video comes out i don't like posting two days in a row if i'm only posting three days of the week sunday's the most engagement on youtube friday's the second yeah. most wednesday's the third most so that's why i did it i wonder why it's wednesday it's hey that uh that good old um hump day people are <laughs> people at work just like man i hope the boss doesn't see this but i'm gonna open up youtube and... <laughs> My lunch might be a little long today. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But mm. I, I think I think you definitely should do that. I'm not sure. This is very anecdotal. But uh, this is anecdotal by pretty much everyone who preaches about like having consistent content and stuff. For me personally, I think the reason a lot of my videos become number one, even it sometimes there's they're just a number one in the initial part of it. Uh, so like the initial mm -hmm. first day, you know, I'm like my last Friday's yeah. vlog. 
um, was first, right? But it wasn't first after, I don't know, a day had passed because other videos had kept getting views and this one didn't. It's because the initial views from the video were so high because I, I always put it out and even subliminally the people who watch my videos maybe at this point are like ready for it to come and I've acknowledged that those are the times yeah. that it'll come. So for you, there's there's something in the algorithm I've heard where if you get a lot of views in the first 30 minutes, YouTube will suggest that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I figured if I always have it at the exact same time, then I'm more likely to have everyone flood in. And that's why I keep getting number ones within the first 30 minutes is because I think people are like ready to ready to watch it. Or they're to it. Yeah. Or they, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I wish I wish some other YouTubers would do that that are like popular. Um, just so I could be ready for the videos. Um, I'm a big yeah. Thomas Frank and Matt Diavella guy, and they are not consistent when what they when they upload at all. Like Thomas will just not <laughs> upload a video for two weeks, and I'm like, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, I love you, Thomas, but the, here's here's my thing. You posted two videos within the span of three days, but before that, you didn't post for two and a half weeks. Explain, please. Like, <laughs> what what was that thought? Because that's not optimal one and yeah. two like I, I wasn't ready to watch a video so i just haven't gotten around to watching the video because mm -hmm. i don't know man you, you you post every week and a half and then all of a sudden you post two in three days what am i supposed to do drop everything <laughs> to watch your video i don't know like i just wasn't ready <laughs> yeah yeah the little things we're upset about i really wish i could do the filmmaker thing i think everyone can um i use an iphone i mean like everyone can i think yeah it's yeah i really liked your b-roll on the um your airpods that was pretty funny oh dude i actually enjoyed that oh i'm glad i'm such a i'm a fool for that that was that was like in the moment i'm like this is gonna be funny but afterwards i'm like uh i don't know I'd, i'm gonna level <laughs> with you all right for those of you watching uh 25 minutes and whatever you're gonna enjoy this when i was doing the spin thing the third time it's it's because okay i i did the b-roll and i used the first time mm. i spun it on the table but there was little marks from the coffee on the on the table because I, I didn't have a coaster or anything it was outside whatever um so i didn't put it towards the middle of the table and i spun it and the thing wouldn't hit the concrete <laughs> so they all got scuffed up um oh i mean like it's uh -huh. like one corner but and i like almost caught it but yeah. it was just funny because i was like really dimitri like so you avoid the ta that part of the table so the shot will look nice. Um, and then the first one was good enough, but you, th you had to do a third one right at the edge of the table and just whack your AirPods. I ended up getting a case the next day because I was like, <laughs> dude, you idiot. Come uh, on, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad you like that. I was I was trying to be extra. I I don't know much about filmmaking, but from what I've learned from Matt Diavella and just watching his videos because I try to analyze them and I need to probably look up more video things in general. The way I do B-roll is everything is give it two shots and give it two shots and people use like the default transitions and stuff a lot in editing programs but with b-roll you can't really do that so like the thought process for me is turn your head and then switch the angle again whether it's to the side or whatever with you also turning your head in the next recording and then that's like for some reason that's just aesthetic because like as you're turning 
you'll go into the next shot of your head turning and it's that's a transition that's perfect but it looks like you're doing the same thing twice like when i put my airpods in twice nobody stood there and moved the camera in a split second obviously um like i just yeah. did the same thing twice in two different angles and that's like a basic mm -hmm. b-roll thing that a lot of people don't know or don't think about and i just i don't know if i picked it up because i no one ever told me that so i don't really have experience learning how to take right the b-roll the right way and i think it's just a matter of like getting creative with angles and stuff. Like I just recorded B-roll yesterday. Yeah. By the way, this stuff takes forever. So if you don't want to do B-roll, like <laughs> it took like three and a half hours for the, I'm making a video about, um, I guess it'll come out the Sunday after this. I'm making a video on Matt Vella has a, something called the two day rule. I have something called the five out of seven rule. Um, I'm not going to spoil what the rule is. I guess it's in my book, but, but like, um, mm -hmm. I'm making a video on the, um, the rule and I'm like sitting on the couch over there in a shot and I like I just like get up move the tripod like you know like three inches and for some reason people are gonna <laughs> like that but whatever I mean you got to do what you got to do right yeah. yeah yeah I don't know I don't know how it would fit for personal finance videos though yeah you know? I mean Andre Andre Jick does really good uh, yeah okay, I I really wish I could be on that level, but like I'm not there at all. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just figured out like how to really edit my videos pretty well, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 the thing though. When you're when you're making YouTube videos, is this your first time trying YouTube in general? Mm -hmm. You're you're twenty one, right? You're twenty. What you twenty four. Twenty four. Oh. Well you went to Oh, you know what? It's cause he told me about like his story he went to you went to JUCO and stuff. I, I figured when you said yeah. you were a junior, you're 21. All right. I'm, yeah. Math. Well, I mean, juniors are. <laughs> it, just because he's a junior doesn't mean that's how old he is. I mean, I know I knew juniors when I was in college that were in their 50s. So yeah. that's just, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'd call that, but that's me assuming age based on grade, and that's not good. <laughs> um, yeah, Andre's pretty good, though. I like him a lot. I, I know Graham Stefan. And him are pretty funny in the fact they post almost at the exact same time, if you've noticed, um, mm -hmm. all the time. But Graham doesn't use B-roll at all, but he's he's so large as a, as a YouTuber. I mean, he's just big. I mean, he's got yeah, two, million, two million and then the 600K or whatever on the other channel. And I'm like, man, you really just talk into the microphone, don't you? Or like look at the <laughs> camera and talk, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when you're, when you're making all these videos, like it's your first go around. You're 24. You're doing really good in the fact that you're confident more in front of the camera and you're learning how to edit videos to be blunt mm -hmm. as i've mentioned previous times like i've made so many dang videos like 700 800 plus and then with that video wow. editing i've done for freelance like i've, I've edited it like a thousand videos all right so yeah. that's why this other cinematography part can get added onto the other stuff because i yeah. i don't really need to worry about being comfortable in front of the camera i don't need to get mm -hmm weird when i'm like editing my own videos anymore because i'm like yeah that's what your that's what your dumb voice sounds like when you're editing all right just deal with it um <laughs> yeah um and then the editing's quick because i've done that and i i have an experience of a workflow there but after that i was like man you got to do b-roll what are you doing like you have nothing else to learn at this point regarding what you're doing like you can sit down and talk in front of a camera congratulations buddy like you've been doing this for, <laughs> since you were like 14 you're fine um so I just added that part. So don't ever feel like, I don't know if you can fit it in and try to learn it on top of it. Cool. 
but learning too yeah. many tasks or learning too many skills at once is not the greatest thing. I'd say give it a couple more months yeah. and then try to like bring it in there because yeah. no one's expecting it probably at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think Andre actually had like a background in cinematography. So that's why like even his first video is just great. I went back and I watched that. I'm like, how how did he do that? And then he said like he's been in cinematography for years. Magic, both of the both of that. I think that's really cool. I know there's a lot of YouTubers that start there and then mm-hmm. go to YouTube. Probably would be the move, honestly. Mm-hmm. Going to film school for I mean, they like Matt Diavella obviously just makes better videos than everyone else. Yeah. And Thomas Matt Frank is, is moving in that direction, like with his cinematography and his stuff. But like he started from just a dude who was making a blog and then like over 10 years of making videos. Now he's there. And it's just like, man, yeah, I wish process. I could have went to film school or something. Should have done film school. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't do that. I've heard, I've heard yeah, from various definitely. filmmakers. It's kind of a waste of money. Yeah. It's definitely a process, uh, this whole YouTube thing. Um, I mean, my first video was god-awful. I didn't even have, like, an outro. I don't think I had an intro either. I think I just kind of cut it off. I was My last words in my first video were, that's just hypothetical. Wait, wait, wait. So you just didn't, like, you didn't <laughs> say, all right, I'm done, like, bye. You didn't, that's awesome. Nope. That's awesome. <laughs> I've been thinking about like making it a joke on my channel where I just include that clip at the end of every single video, but I'm not sure if I want to make that move. <laughs> That's one of those things. I was talking with Danny uh, two weeks ago on that podcast. He was saying things like, you know, I don't know if I want to do thumbnails because I don't know with like himself in it. Cause I don't know if it would stick, you know, mm-hmm. I've noticed if you just make the same joke over and over again, like three weeks into it, your audience is going to be it with it. You know, like mm-hmm. how you said the intro outro thing, like, I always do that. I will see you guys in the next one because I said that in a video and then yeah. I said it in the next video and then people are used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. man, I don't I don't know. I think that'd be funny. You, you could fit that in somehow. Like, you could fit that meme in some way. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to yeah. help you out here because I kind of want to see that more. That That's just <laughs> hypothetical. That's, that's awesome. I, I feel like instinctually, yeah. like, you want to finish it and say, even just, all right, I'm done with the video. Bye yeah that's awesome yeah. it was awful my it was only like three minute video four minute video at the most yeah that's i mean that's still honestly not that short um some people are making yeah. some people just make like minute long videos on youtube recording their cat so i mean you're doing better than that <laughs> don't ever feel like when you're making a video it's worse than like the majority of the majority of what exists on YouTube. I mean, YouTube was founded on dumb yeah. cat videos and and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, I think you're fine. Yeah. You know, you got a you got yeah. a something recording you. You got a microphone. You have you have an attempted script. I think. Do you script videos for the most part? Yeah. Um. So I was reading like directly off a script, and it would take me like four hours, six hours sometimes to write my scripts out. So I'm like, you know, there's got to be a better way that I can go about this. And recently, um, I started using Notion because you suggested it. And instead of doing like an entire script right now, I'm just writing down like bullet points that I want to talk about. And then I'll kind of elaborate on those different bullet points. So instead of just reading straight from the script, sounding so monotone, I guess, um, 
now I'm kind of more so free flowing it. And I think that's, I want to be more conversational with the audience just to give them a better vibe than just like strictly talking. That makes sense. That's a really good idea. I know there've been a fair number of YouTubers who talk about the outline to then elaborate approach. Um, and that really saves you time. Um, I don't think personally uh, you need to like long form outline if you're doing something like I'm doing with like my formal videos. Uh, I've noticed it saved me a lot of time for the vlogs because I, I went from like short outlines to writing out a script for the vlogs. And I was like, wait a second. What? You're, yeah. you're vlogging your life. You're why are you being so non-candid even in just your process. And I would try my, I mean, I, yeah. I still think I probably looked like I wasn't fully scripting it, but then I was, then I was like, no, nah, you gotta pull that back. Cause that's one, it's a waste of time in my opinion, but like it took me like two hours to mm-hmm. do those scripts. And then now it takes like 20, 30 minutes to do. I just sit down and yeah. like, all right, let's take your day, Dimitri. Are you going to wake up? You're going to take a million shots of you waking up. You're going to try to make the angles different <laughs> than last time. You're going to pour coffee a million different ways. You're going to eat a banana. Um, you're going to sit outside, like that sort of stuff. And I'll just like write that. Uh, and then I'll put the topics and then I'll write like two or three sentences for the topics and that's it. Um, but for my formal videos, I like fully script those. Those are the process for that's weird. I'll make a video on it, but like you can put backgrounds for stuff in notion, um, when you type it out, which is really cool. Um, and for B roll, I put like a yellow background behind it. And then for a roll, I put just, it's just normal text. So then I'll put in parentheses, below in like another um, indented uh, toggle box like parentheses one is like my first b-roll shot parentheses two parentheses three and then that's how i take my b-roll then afterwards i'll like Mm -hmm. go to the bottom put all the b-roll shots in order and i use toggle or not toggle sorry uh check boxes to like tick off whenever i'm done recording them and stuff like that and then how i edit is i go through the script and i check the boxes off as i'm done editing that part so yeah that's yeah. interesting. It's a good workflow. Yeah, I definitely want to make a video on it because I think it's it's pretty productive. Um, Rise uh-huh. Butter Podcast. Uh, it. I'm glad you're using Notion. Um, sponsor me, yeah. Notion. Just kidding. Uh, almost not kidding. I know you guys are sponsoring people now, and I'm like your. Besides Danny, who's on the podcast two weeks ago, I might be your biggest fanboy. So just uh, think about it. You know, <laughs> give it a just, shot. It's just a thought. I mean, I'm here. I'm offering you my couple, I don't know, hundred people that consistently watch my videos, and some of them started using it. See, Greg did. Yeah, you know, you never know, guys. All right, I'm just mm. pitching Notion, <laughs> pitching Notion <laughs> on my po- hashtag get uh, sponsored by no- hashtag get Dimitri sponsored by Notion. Did you like my hashtags? Uh, give Dimitri a dog <laughs> from the last video. Give Dimitri a, a dog. I don't think I, I don't think I saw that one. It was, uh, uh, I was like by the, I was by the tree and I said a hashtag give Demetria a dog after I finished running. It was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. in the comment section and people were actually doing it. I'm like, wow, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. I love dogs. You got any yeah. dogs? I used to have a few dogs. Um, they passed away when I was like 18 or so. Okay. So, you know, wasn't too bad. And then I had uh, I had another dog that my sister owned. And that dog just hated me. Aww. I don't know why. 
no. every time I would come around it, it would just start barking at me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be loved by dogs, I guess. See, that's the worst when that's the case. Whenever a dog either hates you or it hates everybody. Because I have a buddy who's got like <laughs> five, you know? I got a buddy who's got yeah. five. Their dispositions are all wonderful. <clears throat> they treat them well. Um, they're all very <clears throat> happy dogs. And then I have an aunt. Oh, boy, this dog. I tell you what, this chihuahua. Oh, my God. I do not want to see that dog. I want to say thing, but I don't want to see that dog. I mean, what's his name? Dotti. It's like named after Italian soccer player. I'm like, man, you got to gotta back off, dog. It'll do this thing. It's awful, by the way. It, it'll do this awful thing. It'll come. It'll look at you, like sit by you um, when you're like sitting down. It'll just be like, hey, what's up? And it's basically asking to put your hand out to pet it you know like it's puppy dog eyes the whole thing then you'll reach your hand and then i'll bark up a storm and then like go at you and you're like wait a second wait a second what you just you just you, just, you told me you gave me the why'd you do that and it is yeah and then I'll, I went to go to my buddy's house and then they got these five dogs that are all loving and they want to be pet yeah. and one of them's like 16 years old like a little baby poodle and I was like 16 wow. years old I was wow. like because I, I looked really at I looked, her name is Daisy I looked at the dog I was like hey bud uh how old is Daisy now it's like 16 I know I'm like yeah I remember like I've been friends with the guy since I was in like fifth grade I was like yeah so I'm 22 now so she's been around at least since I was um 11 um or well no when you go to fifth grade you're 12 sorry you know, a lot of people don't remember great ages. I think that's funny, but I don't know. Uh, so yeah. I'm like, so she's been around at least 10 years, but I think she was five when I got around. So dang, she's old. Dogs don't live that long. Yeah. What are you feeding her? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, here, here. he goes, her expiration date was like three years ago, but uh, guess she's, uh, guess she's still going. Still I'm like, kicking. Yeah. Jesus. She got cataracts though. Doggy cataracts. Mm. That looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my the first dog that I had die also had cataracts, and we one day we found her like in the pool, like she fell in the pool, and my dad had to go save her. I'm like, oh no, that's so stressful. She was basically blind. Yeah, it was awful. That's awful. Yeah, I guess one of his dogs who are younger, I think it's like four or five. It's a husky. Um, they had like a one of those like solar heat things on their pool. You know, like you put it over the pool and then it heats it up from the sun, I guess is what the concept of it is. I'm sure other people knew that. Maybe I'm just explaining something everyone knows. I don't know. But it was new to me because I never had a pool. Uh, yeah. But like the dog, <laughs> when I was going outside, um, they let the dogs out pretty often and because they have a backyard and stuff. And the dog like went up the, the deck. I was like, oh, the pool does, uh, doesn't have water. It's got like a solid surface on it. And I'm just like walked on top of it and fell in. And um, she's she's young and spry, and she went to the edge and was just doggy paddling, waiting for someone to get her. But it was just like dogs falling into the pool. I'm just imagining that as it's hilarious and concerning. It's it's puts you in a weird spot, you know, like uh, yeah. morally. But um, um, if you know they're gonna be okay, I think it's totally hilarious. I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry about the dog tangent, guys. But guys, who doesn't love dogs? If you don't love dogs. It's okay. I'm not going to say anything uh, inflammatory against you. I just uh, I just want to know why. Uh, let me know in the comment section down below if you don't like dogs. Do you have a bad experience? I guess my brother's been bitten by one. 
so I could understand why he wouldn't like him. But um, mm-hmm. that's just that's just a bad dog. That's not dogs in general. Mm-hmm. They're great. They're great beings. Sorry. Um, <laughs> let's talk more about. Um, you had a couple interesting go rounds with the stock market when you first started. Yeah. Please mm-hmm. tell the story about um, the multiple few times you started to get into it before you've had this recent uptick in success and quality of uh, investing. Sure. Um, so when I first started, I was day trading, uh, like Ricky Gutierrez, I was trying to trade you guys, you guys wasn't doing well at it at all. But you know, I kept at it for about a year. And it just wasn't working out for me. So it's been not enough relationship. So I started investing again, um, same kind of strategy trying to day trade. And that didn't work out for me. Um, and then I ran out, ran into a little bit more money in february so i had about three thousand dollars in my savings account i'm like well you know i might as well put this to good use make my money work for me um and so i started to invest in the stock market and i invested on the thursday or the friday right before the market started to crash (laughs) and i guess that's really what has prepared me for like all the volatility that we've been experiencing because I lost 30, 35, 40% of my account in just a few weeks. Snap of the <laughs> finger. Done Basically. Yeah, it was terrifying, but you know, I'm like, well, I think the stock market is going to continue to go up. You know, uh, we did have the Japan stock market has been trading sideways for some reason. But the U.S. stock market has always been growing. We have a lot of room huh. to build for infrastructure and stuff. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, I think the stock market is going to go up with time. So I just kept investing each and every week. I would use dollar cost averaging. And so I have $1,000 of discretionary income. And I would put $250 each week into the stock market. So sometimes that would be specific stocks. Um, sometimes it's ETFs and I had, I think it's mostly ETFs. I think it was about a 75 to 25% ratio. And then mm. I've kind of toned that down. Uh, I want to invest more in stocks and in specific stocks that I think are going to see a ton of growth. Um, just because sometimes diversification isn't the best way to build wealth. And that's something that even Warren Buffett has said. Um, I think he said something along the lines that diversification is ignorance in a way Um, because sometimes you can make a lot more money by investing into a single stock. Like if you were to invest in Microsoft, like a ton of money into Microsoft, you would by far beat out the S and P 500. So I started to invest more into Tesla and Apple more recently because those are two companies that I really believe in the future value. Yeah. Apple's great. Um, So yeah, for sure. And I guess I also started options trading. That was maybe six months ago now. Um, Options trading is a pretty tricky game to learn, for sure. I started with weekly options, which is the most volatile and the hardest way you can trade options. (laughs) But, you know, I was only spending like between 50 and 100 per trade. And sometimes, you know, you'd have huge winners. Um, I think my biggest percent gain is 200%, but there's some people that make like thousands per 
thousands of percents on options like Spotify. A lot of people jumped on the train for Joe Rogan coming on to Spotify and Kim Kardashian coming on to Spotify and they made thousands of percents on their options. Yeah. It's insane. So I started, um, I realized that I really suck at timing the market. So I started to put longer expiration dates on my options contracts. And that's really what's helped me to start building my wealth because whenever I was using weekly options. I would, my win rate was about 50%, which was awful. And I would try to kind of scalp the market for my profits. And then my losers would just lose pretty much everything. So I kind of started to give my options a little more time because I know the stock market is going to keep going up. I know, um, I understand like the technical analysis side and the price action of different stocks. Um, so I started to put longer expiration dates and then my win rate now, since I stopped doing the weekly options in March is over 80%. I think it's hovering around 90% right now. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot better. 40% more is a lot. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And the few losses that I've taken over the last couple of months was just because I was trying to bet against the stock market direction. Mm. So um, I think it was, which stock was it? It was Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat was just surging in value after their earnings report. You're like, I'm no, like, I don't like what? vegans. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> like, no, I don't like vegan meat. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, you know, this is probably overvalued. So I, place a put option so i thought the stock was going to go down turns out it didn't and i ended up losing i think 80 percent of the value of that yeah luckily it was only a hundred dollars but yeah <laughs> still that's um i think it's interesting how you went from day trading to mm-hmm. um then like weekly options to then like long longer term options i th- mm-hmm. feel like um you can tie that whole delayed gratification thing in there but literally just delaying or delaying your gratification in the market um, went from mm-hmm. you making no money or losing money to you're like yeah. even ish to you're making good money in it. So that's, that's kind of interesting to think about even in just like um, yeah. just a delayed gratification sense. If that's the case for other people, that'll be really good to understand. Cause I think long-term investments mm-hmm. are always going to be really great bets because yeah. you know, it goes up seven, eight percent every year. Like, annually um that's what the s&p 500 goes up right i think eight seven it's one of those two numbers um yeah between goes, seven and ten yeah yeah um so when you have that and you understand that putting money in there in general is a good thing i think that's just a good happen to get into and i want to talk about what yeah. you said with like the whole warren buffett and um I was, it's curious that he er, it's not curious it's interesting that he said um it's ignorance if you go broader than you need to and that's that's true in a sense you know you got tech right now which to be to be blunt like if you're investing in tech it's probably going to go up um i'm not financial advisor not claiming i know what i'm talking about regarding stocks that's just an observation just remember that uh but like i've always heard good things from app about apple from you know someone who is a financial advisor and he's He's had it forever. Um, he loves Apple. Big fan. Um, and 
it's really a good stock to be in because it's tech right now. And I think you putting a lot of money into Tesla, Apple, all those tech stocks, they're the only ones that are adjusting to the market. Um, yeah. And, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but might as well just do it now. Good segue. Um, people are saying things like tech is propping up the market. Um, mm -hmm. And first, I do want to say, once again, from the perspective of someone who I consider an expert and is considered an expert in this field, um, I do want to say like propping up is not the greatest um, greatest way to look at it. So when how the market works is it's all perception, right? And <laughs> relatively, it's it's you know like months out projection of how things yeah. are going. Yeah. So it predicts the future of the exactly. economy. Yeah. So when you got March happen and the crash happen. First and foremost, I wish I just put a bunch of money in index fund when that happened. Um, <laughs> second, when when that happens, you want, you got to understand they were making projections for two million dead from the thing, um, unemployment being something ridiculous. Um, I'm trying to think what I think the, the top estimates were like twenty five percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I thought it was like a little less than thirty, and the contraction of the economy was predicted to be way worse. And they thought that this mm -hmm. was going to last until next uh i feel like next june something stupid that was what they were accounting for yeah. and i'm just like mm -hmm. okay so why is it going back up again sure are tech stocks doing really well yes yeah. but it's not being propped up by the few stocks for the reason people are thinking it's like oh well the economy's awful okay yeah but it's almost back to the market is almost back to where it was before the crash because mm -hmm. they adjusted for yeah. 2 million dead. They adjusted for a year and a half of closed. So it's, since it's perception, the perception is much better than yeah. what it was originally put at. So you only have a couple hundred thousand who have unfortunately passed away. You only have, um, I think the employment's pretty decent now. I think it's uh, in the teens-ish. Yeah, I thought it was 13 last time I checked. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah 13's, like I said, like he said it was 25, like that's half. So... The market's yeah. going back up because perception of how bad it was going to be, not nearly as bad. So it's considered a good thing. So even though it's mm -hmm. not a good thing, since it used to, it was considered to be much worse before, and now it's mm -hmm. not as bad, they're like, oh, not as bad equals good. That's why the market's up. It's not yeah. completely just propped up by the tech companies, which yeah, I agree. they're doing well. It's just like, if, I don't know, like if you think you got your foot cut off, and then you turn out you only lose your pinky toe, like you'd be pretty happy. So that's that's the analogy I'm going to use there, I guess. That's... Well, I mean, the pinky toe is the most important because that's what controls your balance. So no, wait, what? You might what? want to keep it. <laughs> Phil of the future did not teach me that. Teach me this, Phil from the future, or whatever that. Should you remember that? Yeah, it's funny. I thought everyone didn't have their pinky toes in the future. What? <laughs> no one has balance. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, uh, I think yeah, you I think you're totally right. I think it's um, the perception of the future. Uh, we had really bad outlook in the beginning of all this. It was a completely new sort of thing. And so people were just freaking out. They were selling out of all their shares. And then people realized, well, maybe it's not going to be as bad as everybody thinks. You had the Fed step in with unlimited quantitative easing, which means they're just going to keep pouring money into the stock market and, you know, different places that way they can help out the economy. And I, I think, yeah, we're going to go into a ton of, a ton of debt, but at the same time, it's kind of a necessary evil 
inflation um, is supposed to counteract deflation because you don't want a deflationary period because then you know companies are losing out of money and you don't want companies to lose money otherwise stock market's going to continue to go down yeah and i know the government issued millions of uh 50-year bonds to try to counteract the inflation as much as they can the fed did a good job um i feel like there's been yeah, previous times sure. w when they maybe didn't uh, in a certain other crisis they didn't do a great job they tried to i don't know there's a good movie on that whole situation yeah have you ever seen too big to fail i don't think so it's it's a good one you should check that out it's about 08 um and from the mm -hmm. fed's perspective um the main character is the former chairman of the fed um I'm forgetting his name. Uh, it was it was when George Bush was in office. Um, he was like the former CEO of Goldman Sachs. I don't, just don't know why I'm not remembering him. Uh, Warren Buffett, uh, or someone plays Warren Buffett, and it's very good. I'd check that out for anyone who wants to see a good personal finance, or not personal finance, finance movie, or like stock market movie. I like that. I like the big short. I like margin call. I'm a big junkie when it comes to this type of movie. So definitely I'd say What about Wolf of Wall Street? That's a great one. That's a great one too. Um, that's uh, more in the fun side of things, I guess. Um, yeah, for The sure. messed up fun side of things. The other ones are, I mean, the big <laughs> short I like for the fact that like, they just looked at it or a couple people looked at it and were like, man, so people can default on these really, really, really questionable mortgages, huh? Oh, it looks like more people are defaulting every year. It looks like they're giving these out easier they're doing things like ninja loans no income no job uh verification loans wow that yeah. sounds like someone's going to pay a 30-year mortgage on that <laughs> yeah yeah, you yeah think now about the lending standards have really gone crazy like you have to have 20 percent down you have to have a 700 credit score in order to finance a house i'm thank like mm, god that's a little Crazy, well, it's a little but, much to get, but, but like thank god it's something rather yeah, than nothing I, yeah for sure yeah I, I i well that was a lot of uh i mean come on stutter guy uh i think my thing is with that we had to correct it really hard and there's actually another thing i was thinking about regarding defaults that can't exist you know how we can't default on student debt yeah and how like that was lobbied for and stuff that is like the, if it wasn't lobbied for, like it's this really bad conundrum, don't get me wrong, but obviously colleges know people are going to keep paying for school and the lending companies yeah, are going to keep getting their money. But the the reason that they keep doing that is because it's written that we can't default on our loans. Now, imagine a world where that's a possibility. I could see another like crisis happening if that was the case. Yeah, because it's, it's, for sure. it's literally the same thing. I mean, it's just a bunch of lended money that isn't going to come back by the same big mm -hmm. corporations that lend it before. So, oh man, I'm like, I'm not saying like good on you for lobbying for that. I'm saying, I mean, we probably could have done something different um, as a country, maybe yeah, regarding sure. how we handle uh, stuff. I know, I know I was looking at the tuition prices between like the UK universities, like the really big ones, like Harvard and Cambridge yeah. and Harvard and Oxford. And it's like, it's not even funny how much cheaper it is to, to go to the ones in the mm. UK. And then I, I found out, did you know that in the UK, essentially you pay back your school as like a tax rather than really? Yeah. Um, you and Copeland, do you know who that is the, he's another small finance YouTuber. I don't think I've heard of him. Okay. He's, he's a, he's a nice guy. Uh, I'll have him on the podcast. I think in two weeks. Um, I have a lot of those scheduled up, 
but he was telling me from his perspective he basically he has student uh he has like money he has to pay back for his school but essentially in the uk if you make more than 25k a year then you have to pay it back in a tax but if you're making like 30k so the tax is like 50 bucks a month or something really low mm. and then he said wow. most people don't pay it back to the government by the end of it um and it's it's forgiven uh he said 30 between 30 to 40 he doesn't remember like what age but when you get older like it's just straight up forgiven so i don't know mm. where that money comes from i don't know if it's just subsidized very well by the government or the government does a good job has something figured out with like the lending companies or whatever but like that's uh yeah. i'd say the uk is doing all right like uh was the british pounds 1.2 american dollars so it's doing all right mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah, yeah i mean college in america is just absurdly expensive i feel like you know having to pay you know a luxury car price in order to get a education and the thing is like a college degree i feel like isn't worth as much as it used to be because everybody has it nowadays this whole supply demand thing the supply went up the demand stayed the same yeah ridiculous not i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of uh how much it costs here i think there was some stat uh, did you watch the patriot act do you know that uh hassan minaj yeah great mm-hmm. great guy he talks about it a lot i think he's awesome um is that his i hope i said his name right anyways um is that Hassan Minaj? i think um but he talked about i think the the salaries of administration in colleges went up 20 percent and the salaries of staff slash professors went down 30 in the past like 25 30 wow. years right wow like administration's costs went up pretty much the same as as uh mm-hmm. they stopped they decreased like the average salary of professors and adjunct professors which adjunct professors are in a really bad spot apparently um from watching that video mm-hmm. i found that out but like where did we get to a world where like being a manager of something, you know, matters more than the person actually doing it. I heard this joke. I don't know if it was made by Thomas Frank or no, I don't think it was Thomas Frank, but there was, there was a YouTube video I was watching where it's exposing this, this whole situation going on and people being at home is really exposing the fact that people are in managerial positions and their job description at this point is just, being online in slack <laughs> he, yeah. he talked about it oh he talked about it in his last podcast on the college info key podcast that was it that's funny yeah <laughs> sad right yeah it's weird because you know the managers and like all the executives are being the first one to be laid off because all these companies are running out of cash right now so they're actually being some of the first that are laid off and even people like engineers or software developers like i wanted to be um they're one of the first people to be laid off and it really sucks because you know those are the people that work the hardest and you know they're having their jobs taken away yeah i i think it i think it sucks i i definitely think managerial roles in general um probably have better stock when you're in person and there's a lot of things to handle but it's hard with the situation going on right now i i think just what i was trying to get at with like the schools is there's a lot of people in schools who are getting paid to not do a whole lot 
in comparison to the professors. Yeah, and sure. that's a sad thing because I know so many professors that yeah. really do bust. Uh, like, I don't know. They, they bust a lot of they put a lot of work into their. I don't want to, I was going to use a phrase, but there's an expletive at the end of the phrase. That's why I only said the word bust. Um, <laughs> and they really, they work hard. And I know that the, the price of tuition keeps going up. And, and yeah. like we said, the supply keeps going up of, of students and the demand doesn't really change for college degrees. If anything, mm-hmm. people want trades more now. Um, yeah, for and, sure. And I think it's hard. I know you said you wanted to go into, um, was your degree going to be in CS or... Mm-hmm. Computer science, right? Yeah, okay. computer science. And I just you know, finished my third year. Yes, that's great. At Pitt, right? Yeah, University nice. of Pittsburgh. Uh, I think with tech being so innovative, they're the ones that are handling this situation. We were talking about this on the phone beforehand. But you know, you got Microsoft yeah. closing their stores. That was, mm-hmm. was a pretty gutsy move to some people. Yeah. But then you realize, well... Does Microsoft really need an in-person store? Where does their cash flow come from? Their cash flow comes yeah. from giving Microsoft certificates um, online or putting them in stores and then people buying them from like Best Buy, whether that be Microsoft Personal or that be Windows. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think Windows 10 became free or whatever. I'm not. Did that happen a while ago? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I, I remember hearing that. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's where the cash flow is from, right? It's from all this new online mm-hmm. stuff they're bringing out. Microsoft Personal, yeah. I pers- I use. You know, they get 65 bucks a year from me, um, and I didn't have to go to a physical Microsoft location. They have the operating yeah. system of their machine on, I don't know what percent of the market is now, because that number's changed a lot. I know Apple's kind of like creeping up, but I think it's like at least 80-20, yeah. um, uh, or 80-18 to, sorry, Linux. Um, like, they're not making money in person. So tech companies like them innovating and doing the smart thing is going mm-hmm. to be what helps the economy a lot because we're going to want to have less brick and mortar establishments when they're, where they're not needed. I mean, that's wasted rent. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really wasted for sure. rent for, for another mom and pop shop to like use the same space or real estate to, to do something yeah. good with it. Or they could use it for innovation rather than a store. Um, obviously, that, that's not directly correlated, but they can use that uh, labor ca- or that capital labor-wise from them having to pay certain employees and move it to more innovative things rather than than them being in person and doing those um those person-to-person interactions which to be frank microsoft really doesn't need to in-person sell what they got anymore um they have such a majority on the market for pcs uh or personal computing i guess because when i say pc people think windows so i don't know for just computers in general um yeah that's like a large share of the market for sure yeah, and I know you you're you're going into the Tesla, which man, it was funny what uh Elon Musk did to like uh his own stock price. Uh he just says yeah. stuff. It's just hilarious. I don't can you yeah. what, what's your opinion on that? I mean, he makes up the business. Uh I think if he wasn't the CEO, they wouldn't be who they are because the man works like 80, 100, 100 hour weeks. He's just insane he he's a hard-working man and like that really shows and how much his business has grown you know just a few years ago i think it was in 2017 they were only making twenty five thousand dollars twenty five thousand cars per quarter and now they're making over a hundred thousand so he's quadrupled his numbers exactly yeah so i i think that with the more places they're opening with all the new gigafactories they have a new one coming up in austin and 
it's just going to build on top of each other. And they're just, and the thing is most people compare it to, you know, Toyota and like Ford and it's not just a car company. It's a technology company. It's automated driving. It's, um, what is solar it? Panels. Their, yeah, they're solar panels. And then you also have the robo-taxi. So, like, it's an entire system. It's not just a car company. So whenever people compare it to, like, Toyota Motors, I'm like, mm, it's not really a comparison. They're a tech company more so than they are a car company. They don't have as much um, infrastructure at the moment. But when they do, yeah, when they figure that out, watch mm-hmm. out because they're American made and they're really good cars and they're yeah. having to they're they're going to push forward the whole electrical car thing i think really just truly tesla is going to be the company that that makes that such more of a um a normality for our generation by the time we're like 40 like it'll probably be a normal thing for yeah. us to have an electrical car i i I'm hoping yeah. um, for emissions purposes at least um, that the infrastructure for electrical cars and charging gets better and better. And Tesla's going to be the one to push push that because they are the tech company. And yeah. going forward with that, they're willing to innovate when other companies aren't. And I think that's probably why the tech, the tech companies are doing so well in the current market, like we just said with Microsoft yeah, closing. Sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that they're most willing to innovate. You know, you had people... Yeah, companies like Ford. Um, I think during the beginning of all of this, Ford was like, you know what, we're going to make micro, some sort of surfaces that kill the virus off. And I'm like, really? You think people are going to buy that right now? And plus, like, this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Like, why are you focusing your money on that when, you know, you could innovate, when you could create an electric car that could be Tesla? You know, you had the Mach-E with the, Maki Mustang now. I'm like, mm, yeah, it's nice, but you know, why don't you add more electric cars to your lineup? Why don't you add more tech into your cars? Why don't you like try to, you know, innovate instead of giving us the same old thing? But you know, the tech companies, they're always giving us new products. They're always trying to improve. They're always trying to beat each other out. There's a huge competition in that market. So that's why they're skyrocketing up. And then companies like Ford have been trading it five dollars for years now i'm like there's no innovation there so no. why put your money there that surface thing i hadn't heard of that but like that was coming out with like phone cases and stuff and i just want to say in the nicest way i can say <laughs> that is a load of sorts of the b baloney and uh i mean yeah. well okay it could be scientifically proven i don't want to it could be a load of baloney let me rephrase um you know you never know it's come bite me in the you know what uh it's it's something where like people see that and they think that's a load of that's a load of baloney so they're not going to exactly mm-hmm. buy that so their heart maybe was in the right place maybe it was in their pockets who knows i'm not going to speak for ford yeah. but i agree with the whole innovation thing like here's a good example of tech and competition being a great reason that they innovated do you remember apple almost went bankrupt and then bill gates uh bailed them out when was that? I feel like it was like early 2000s, late 90s, when they were like, maybe they were really yeah, just struggling. starting up. I know it was pre, mm-hmm. I know it was pre um, iPod Touch, pre iPhone, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, um, might have, I might have been pre iPod in general, but it, it was um, Apple had a really great start in the um, early years. And then like 
you know, the whole Macintosh thing. They wasted a bunch of money on that. Steve Jobs was out of the company for a little bit. And then I think it might have been right when Steve came back ish um, when they were still struggling. Um, mm-hmm. Bill just gave him a bunch of money because they're like, we need competition. They didn't they, they wouldn't have it. I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank God he did because we have Apple and we have great products from Apple now. I'm a big fan of their phones and stuff like that and their yeah. AirPods and, and whatnot. And I mean, think about it. They have the the number one selling wireless earbuds in, in the world. You're wearing them right now. Um, nope. The most units of wireless earbuds in general have been sold uh, from Apple. Nah. Uh, so that, that really tells you how important competition is. Microsoft did that and tech companies are willing to do things like that when I think other industries aren't. I don't know how willing... Ford would be to just give Chevy. Um, was that a good comparison? Wait, is Chevrolet Chevrolet's American made? It is. Okay. Yeah, sorry. they are. I'm just. I'm not a big car guy, so just just making sure. Um. So yeah. yeah, I don't know how much Ford would we be willing to bail out Chevy if something like that happened. If it's happened in history, sorry for my ignorance, but I, I know that in the tech industry, that's something that they're willing to do because they have this understanding that tech improvements really do well under pressure yeah for sure i mean the iphone hasn't been updated in a while but i'm a little salty about that i was looking at the renders for the 12 and i was like oh there's no face change i'm like i'm not gonna buy that if there's no face change it's been what like three four years now that they have with the notch really face change yeah yeah the notch ain't it the notch ain't it man yeah that that uh it's a good way to describe it, in my opinion. I think uh, what you do, hear me out. Technology keeps getting smaller and smaller. They could fit the same front-facing camera and stuff in a little bit of a smaller form factor, just lower the aperture a bit. Um, yeah. You have the same little panel on the top as Face ID, but you make the bezel mildly bigger all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, that's what they're doing in other phones. That's what they're doing. They're yeah. making it mildly yeah. bigger, and they have no notch. And it's just like, man, you know you could do that. You could make it mildly bigger all around, move some smaller things from different parts of it. Um, You move the microphone. No, you keep the microphone in the same spot, but, like, move the face ID sensors to the bottom. It could probably still pick you up, that sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So, they, Apple, I love your iPhone 11. Thank you for all the great recordings I have. Thank you. Figure your stuff out for the 12, though, because I swear... If you're going to bring out this, uh, or actually, you know, if the 13 or 14 don't have a charging port, that ain't it, son. That Have you, know. you seen Marcus Brownlee's newest video um, that they're not even going to include a charger or headphones in it? Congratulations, guys. You're going to start a trend for the rest <laughs> of phone companies. I, I love and hate when you do that because yeah. getting rid of the headphone jack led to AirPods technically. Because they they figured it out that it would make Bluetooth headphones a thing. Like thanks, but I don't think I don't think not giving chargers really helps anybody, guys. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about you, but where what technological in- innovation can you find from not giving out chargers? <laughs> no, there's nothing I can really think. I think Marcus Brownlee kind of highlighted the um, how it would affect the environment, how it would sort of save the environment, and that's something that they kind of always um, have at the end of their WWDC or wherever they present their stuff. And it's, it's like, yeah, it'll save, you know, a ton of waste, but then people, if they don't have one, they're just going to buy one anyway one from and anchor. Gonna thrown away. You're going to buy yeah. one from anchor, dude. Like, yeah, that's exactly. what I do for all my stuff. 
honestly, it's way better. It's way cheaper than going onto their website. And, you know, they're what, like $30, $40 for one of the fast chargers. I'm like, mm, I'd rather spend it on Anchor. No, yeah, Anchor is a great product. Uh, great braided cables, great. Um, you can have like the multiple things put into the one um, wall adapter, which is awesome. I, mm, I guess that makes sense. I know they put recycled tin in all their new iPhones, which is a really good move. Really? Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Like I am environmentally conscious, so that was a good move. Yeah. I guess. I think they really innovate in kind of waves. So they have, um, they have hardware updates. And then right now they're focused on like software updates, like iOS 14. Brilliant. I saw I saw the WWDC 20 and I'm like, that's nice. Like the, what was it? The applets or whatever. I've never heard of that. Maybe it's on Android already. I'm, I don't use Android personally, mm-hmm. but you know, they, they're kind of late to the game when it comes to software, when it comes to like widgets, but you know, they try to do it better. And I think that iOS is better personally. I'm a, apple fanboy by heart so yeah i agree with that too i like i like ios a lot i'm very excited um to see where they always take stuff i, I do think the notch needs to get rid of uh be just for sure taken off the thing i mean like i don't notice it as much as i used to when i first got it but get rid of that thing um i want to talk to you a little bit about uh one more topic before we get into the old the old end of this you you racked up a lot of debt and mm-hmm. and i think this story is good for people to hear could you tell us how that happened um where it came from yeah so whenever i think i was around 18 or so i just started to get into credit cards i was following people like credit shifu and um what's another name that i can remember can't remember any on the top of my head right now but You know, I started to get a bunch of credit cards and, you know, I was using them responsibly. And, you know, then some life events came up. I had a car that broke down and I didn't have anything to kind of pay for that. So I didn't have an emergency savings, which is way, that's something you definitely need to put your money in first. Um, So I racked up, I think, $1,500 or like $2,000 in credit card debt because I used it for a down payment on a new car. And then um, that car ended up in a hailstorm. So that totaled the car. That was like $3,000 or something like that in order for me to fix the car up um, because it was considered total. So, you know, it just kind of added up with time and I got into this bad habit of, you know, consumer spending. And then I was like $10,000 in credit card debt. And it, I was paying hundreds of dollars in interest each month. And it was just holding me back from becoming financially, you know, financial freedom. And once I actually paid off the debt, it was the greatest feeling in the world. But it was definitely a struggle to pay all that off. So if you're going to get a credit card, make sure that you have a emergency savings first. That way you're not tempted to go and spend, you know, $1,500 on, you know, fixing your car for sure. I think there's multiple lessons to be learned from that one. Um, Don't spend money you don't have. 
uh yeah for sure to cars are not as needed as people think um especially expensive cars yeah, um, I, sure. i've mentioned this before but i have a buddy who like bought a car for like 500 bucks um very cheap very cheap insurance mm-hmm. as well um one-time payment versus multiple time payments i know that car you said for you was like 400 bucks a month for the the payment of the cars plus insurance was like 600 so this guy this guy's yeah. got you in one fell swoop right he's got you in one month yeah. you're having a he's getting <laughs> exactly. the same purposes of it i mean people don't really care what your car looks like i don't personally think that um that i i, I sorry i don't care what other people's cars look like i know a lot of people don't actually care what other your, people's cars look like you really care what it looks like it's like the same thing of what you're wearing um more than anything yeah. you care and then everyone else is like maybe but like who cares if they care sort of thing so that's something yeah. to think about when you're buying a car practical pra- the practicality of having one to go to a job that's farther away yeah that makes sense but um, yeah. the expensive payments on a car really aren't needed spend like two grand on a used car and just be done with mm-hmm. it in my opinion at least if you really need one um but i'm i'm glad you got out of that i know a lot of people um spend a lot of time um, paying their credit card debt off. I know you, you did that really well um, with the gains you made in the market, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the interest that you, you that you gained, I mean, just think about like how much that holds you back. You have so much like opportunity cost money wise, just like that could have gotten put back into the market if that didn't um, exist. Yeah, for sure. Um, could have Hundreds paid off. of dollars I, in interest. I know. And you could have paid maybe some of the student stuff off as well instead of the credit mm-hmm. card. Um, yeah. And that and that's something that I think everyone just has has to learn from. If you're in a city, use public transit. In my opinion, um, Chicago's yeah, is great. New York's sure. is great. Um, I know a lot of cities have really great public transits as well. I know it's a little less freedom, but like, hear me out. With the automation of cars coming, and you know Uber being better, and um, all those sort of different ways to travel. Obviously, trains aren't great, but like they exist. Hear me out. If you have to make one big Uber charge every time you really have to go far, it's still less expensive than having a car. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it sounds dumb, but like as that maybe becomes more of a nor- more uh, of a normality, that might not sound as dumb or weird. I mean, like if yeah. they're willing to put the stuff that you're trying to take with you in their car and it costs like a hundred bucks or something, for example, I don't know. It's less than like he was paying for his car ma- payments. It's less than you're probably paying for your car payments. It's an idea. Like it, it's weird, but it's an idea. Or if you have friends, mooch off them, pay for gas, like that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Even the, even just hailing excessive amounts of Ubers in comparison to what you would if you had a car. I mean, it's still less than having the car. Like that's just the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need. To yeah, have for it. sure. I mean, in some situations yeah. you do. Like I was commuting to work um, for an internship last summer, 45, 15 minutes a day, and yes, I yeah. needed a car. Like. You need a car in some situations, but sometimes if you're pretty stationary in where you're at, it's not the craziest idea to, to figure out an alternative, an alternative because you can use that money in a lot better ways. Um, last yeah, thing I do want to sure. say and ask you before we close things out is how has the beer thing affected your life in a positive way so that we can leave things on a positive note? Wait, sorry. What did you ask? Sorry. Uh, how how has the beer thing, uh, the beer thing affected you oh, in a positive way? Yes. Um, I guess it's kind of allowed me to be more creative. You know, I was laid off of my job pretty much. And, you know, I started to kind of focus on my own thing because I've always, for some reason, despised the nine to five work life. 
So I wanted to create something of my own. That way I can work on myself while building my wealth. And I use this as kind of a transition in order to, you know, go about that, in order to go about YouTube, go about, you know, taking the stock market seriously. You know, I'm watching the stock market probably a few hours a day. So, you know, I'm building up my, I guess, knowledge on the stock market and, you know, different how to analyze the stock market, how to make money off of it because the market's always changing and you have to kind of adapt to that and you always have to be learning. So it's allowed me to kind of gain some freedom in my life. You know, I'm not working. Um, I was working for a call center before while I was going to school and it was just miserable. I would have to read off the script, you know, for four hours, six hours a day. I'm like, this, this isn't what I want to do with my life. So it, it really, allowed me to branch out and do my own thing. And I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad that's the case. Your channel is doing really well. I think it's going to keep doing well. I think you, you're helping people out in a lot of different ways regarding personal finance and the stock market. And in general, uh, I just, I'm happy to have, I was happy to have you on the show. Uh, I want to leave you with the floor. If you have anything else to say before we close things up. Yeah. If you're looking into options trading just be super careful with your money because that's kind of what my channel is based on and so don't try to you know yolo your money on like something like nicola or i don't know the ticker shll tortoise group or whatever you know be position use your position size to your advantage like don't put all of your money into these stocks that are that might crash tomorrow and don't put all your money into options that can go to zero for sure that's uh i think that's a good thing to say you're um you're definitely um very reasonable in your approach and i appreciate that because there are people who are a little less candid um for the purposes of maybe getting more views um or making that good money on the youtubes so thank you for that I really appreciate you being on the show. And with that being said, I will see you guys in the next one.